Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Live and in living color. Here we are, Mavs Sports Take, episode 76. 76, baby, in the house. Can you believe we've done 76 already? 76. Man, it seems like this thing just started. And for you that heard that voice, you're right. That's not Ryan Roberts. That's not Ryan Roberts at all tonight. We got special guest host James, the man, the myth, the one and only Kirkland oh, is God. in the house. My big time partner, my my friend, <laughs> my colleague, my road dog, whatever you want to call him, my brother from another mother. It is all good because James Kirkland and I have been knowing each other for over almost 20 years now. James yep. is a longtime NFL scout, NFL executive. He's currently holding a position at Michigan State, Univers- Michigan State University, yeah. uh, where he's the director of player personnel, head guy up there. And you got to know this guy, Duke-educated man, so he's going to be dropping knowledge all over the place for you tonight here on Mavs Sports Take. We are going to start off with a little bit of Super Bowl recap. We're going to go through this roster a little bit, talk a little bit, get James' opinion on it all, and then we're going to bring it into a little bit of this mystery. What's going on with Sean McVay? What's happening there? How is Sean McVay going to – is he going to dip? Is he going to stay? Who knows? What knows? But what will be the ramifications if he does dip? If he does stay, what will happen? It's going to be kind of a crazy show tonight. And then we're going to cap it off with one of my favorite segments that we do when James blessed us with his presence. We're going to do a little Kirkland corner at the back end. So everybody gets to go to the Kirkland street and see what he's bringing, the heat he's bringing to the table. So that's what we got in pack for you tonight. And we're ready to rock and roll. And how I usually start it, James, how are you tonight? I'm good, man. I'm, I'm, I'm uh. I'm taking it all in. I'm sure I'm not as hyper as uh, young young Ryan, you know what I mean? But uh, I'm glad to be here, man. I appreciate you thinking of me and giving me a chance to come on the show, man. I appreciate that. You know, you have a standing invitation. Anytime, any place you want to come on, you shoot on through. You know, there's. I don't know if you saw, a couple of episodes ago, we had a young lady from um, – from the south, her name's Double D. Her real name, real name's Trish, but she's Double D Mobile. Double right? D, Double D Mobile, and she <laughs> she does the blacker at news. It's black and it's always petty, and so I love her to death. So <laughs> I found her on TikTok, and I love her to death. She is my heart and soul. Like literally, you got to like watch her videos. So we okay. have I, you on. know I peep it now. I peep it to see what's happening. Yeah, no, we had her on. And she, we were doing some social. Ju- we did it when Antonio Brown walked off the field, right? Yeah, so, that was definitely an event. And so we had her on to talk about that. <laughs> and her, uh, she's just precious. She's just too precious. So uh, okay. if you haven't seen that episode, you got to go see it because she oh. is she's amazing. Uh, and she usually covers a lot of social justice. Uh, stuff so this was a lighter show for her and she's not really into sports so like when i asked her to come on she was like surprised and i was like no you gotta come on you gotta do this talked her into it it blew up it was a great show so Indeed. Double D, if you're watching there's your shout out baby um but <laughs> that all being said like listen what what do you think about this game that hit sunday like our boy you know ray farmer got a ring baby so, well, you know, to, to be honest with you, you know, uh, you know, Ray getting the ring, Les, Marty Barrett, Teddy Monaco, um, getting to see those guys get a ring like that, that, that made it all for me. Now, obviously, I'm a Super Bowl guy. 
I've always studied the Super Bowl, and I, I, I you know, it's it's the it's the top game in the world, right? Oh so, yeah. So you know, I sat there, I, I watched that thing play in and play out, and you know, I hadn't I haven't watched the tape yet. That's the one one issue I have right now is I haven't watched the tape, but. Um, you know, I was surprised to be honest with you. I was surprised. I, I, I thought once when the second half jumped off, they get the big touchdown on the first play. Mm-hmm. Rams get the ball back, get a pick. Oh man, it's time to smash gas, right? Now it's time to let your O line and your running game take over. They didn't do that. They started doing this. If you look at the game, I mean, for the most part, I mean, both teams pass the ball all day long. Now, Cincinnati had more success running the ball, and I think it was more to be had, to be honest with you. But they decided not to do that. They stayed with their 70% clip, throwing the football. And the thing was, the Rams did the same thing. So now – when you watch this game, Cooper Cup comes out and he's the star. He's the guy. He shows up in the clutch situation. He makes the big plays. But to me, the Rams' defense is what saved the day. I mean, because when when Cincinnati had a chance to actually do something, they I mean, literally the Rams had like four or five straight stops, like stops, no points, no field position loss. Like those guys showed up and they stuffed the Bengals when they had to. And that gave that gave the Rams a chance to win the game late. You know, that's what I that's what I thought. Now, some people complain about the officiating, but I mean, it is weird because I mean, Cincinnati had four total penalties in the whole game, and they had three in the last two minutes. Yeah, so, I mean, they were letting them play through a lot of a lot of contact. There was holding yeah. going on, there was grabbing, there was just straight up groping, and they weren't calling anything the whole game. <laughs> Like yeah. if I did that in a strip club, I would have been escorted out a lot in the first quarter. Look, and, and then the last two minutes, and then the last two minutes, here we go. Now we're gonna now the Yankees are getting itchy. Like, you know, it's like, but, come on, man. Okay, so I know everybody feels like, hey, that's a conspiracy, but like, were they legit penalties? I'll that, say the that, one that's against the question I would say. I would ask. The one against Apple on the out route where they call the hold on them. Yeah, I really was like his hands not pulling hard like it's there, but did the jersey even leave the body? Like you well, know what I mean? Like, I mean, it looks real tender when it's in slow motion <laughs> on the replay. <laughs> it looks real tender, but it it kind of looked like the glove was sticky, and that's what caught him like on the jersey. It didn't. Well, I, it didn't I, look I, like a pull. It didn't look like an invasion of his ability to make his cut. He didn't slow Cooper down. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Everything that I know about a PI, yeah. Eight of the ten points didn't happen there. <laughs> Only two. But, but I I thought I thought he did pull him. Just like I thought the linebacker. I I didn't, was it Logan Wilson? I think it was. Well, yeah, Logan. I, I thought I thought he. I thought it was a. I thought it was. It could have went either way. Like I look, man. <laughs> you're in a situation. You playing the you playing the Rams. They're wearing white. You got on these bright orange gloves. You got your hands all over this dude. 
So, I mean, they called it. Now, they let some stuff go. The touchdown at the beginning of the second half, that was a penalty. You know, I think he yeah. face-masked your man, right? Oh, he definitely face-masked him. face-masked him, right? Now, it was inadvertent. Oh, yeah. It was inadvertent. But, like, it was a face-mask. They didn't call it. So, I don't know, man. I, I don't – I didn't have as big a problem with the penalties as some people have, you know, because yeah, I think I, they were – I thought they were penalties. No, I hear you on that. I Again, I, I thought that one – I wasn't going to – the other ones – I was like, you know what? They could, like you said, they could. but the one with Cooper, I didn't really think he invaded. And I'm not an Eli Apple fan. You listen to this show, I tear his ass up all the time, just like receivers do, because he's terrible. Okay? So I'm not an Eli Apple fan. I mean, I've seen all. him struggle. He struggled. Struggle? Struggling is watching my grandmother walk down the stairs. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just saying. This man. This man. Hey, look, Come on, bro. Ever I, since he was a giant, he ain't – I mean, his his baby girl is cold. He ain't no blanket. So, you ooh, know, he, I'm just saying, man, it's not – He has struggled. He has struggled some <laughs> at times. So, you know, but I, I try to give him the benefit of the doubt because, you know what, I ain't going out there and I ain't playing. I can't do what he does. Even listen, though we're saying – They pay me his salary. My little ass will waddle out there and I'll do better than him. And that's with a surgically repaired ankle and all. <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I get out there and run sometimes, man. It's stuff. I, I I got I'm re-injured from stuff that happened back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> it's round two. <laughs> round two. So, but but ultimately I thought in the end, I thought this thing was I think it was unconventional in every way. So the Rams, the Rams built a team, a championship team, and I mean they didn't necessarily do it through the draft. Ryan and I talked about that on the Super Bowl show last week. Yeah. Yeah. Like about the roster constructions. Yeah. Yeah. So this, like the way this team was built is not the way they say you have to build it. They, they, you know, I think that was one of the first things Ryan Pohl said in his, in his uh, press conference last week was, you know, we're going to build through the draft. Well, I mean, I don't know. You know, it's a, it's a, there's more than one way to skin a cat, right? So historically, people have said you can't box. do it like this. You yeah. can't you can't go get a bunch of veteran guys and pay guys real bread and spend picks in trades and actually win a championship. I think they showed that they could do that, that you can do that. So in that way, I thought it was unconventional. The other way I thought it was unconventional was again, like I've looked at when I was out for a few months this 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 past year, I watched like I watched like 20, 22 Super Bowls. And then watching them, the 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 real the thing that stood out to me was the teams that generally won were the teams that could block, the team that blocked the best and could get off on their base runs, those were the teams that won. Right? Right. This game wasn't like that because Cincinnati ran the ball far better than the Rams. I mean, the Rams, I think maybe they had one rushing first down. They had, they had, they had. Well, yeah, I mean, the Rams, well, you know, I think the downfall of the Rams really, mm-hmm. and, and you say they're Super Bowl champions. How can you say downfall? But the reality is. Good question. It, the reality is going in 
to the last few games of the year, Sony Michelle was running the ball well. Sure. He was running the ball well. Henderson got hurt early in the year. Henderson was doing really great. Like he was he was really tearing it up. He had a great season. Then he got hurt. Sony picked up the ball and he started running with it. When they got Akers back and they started putting him into the mix, while he's a dynamic little player, again, it limited the snaps for Sony and Sony was in a rhythm. And in my opinion, they should have left Sony at the 20 or at the 15 carry mark and then use Akers as the complementary back, more of a 10, 8 to 10, you know, kind of thing, catching yeah. balls out backfield, you know, yeah. complementary back. Used them in that way. I thought they would have done a better job. The play action would have came easier yeah. for Stafford, and the blocking would have been better because Sony really was in a rhythm, and they and they screwed up that rhythm. So that's all ultimately to me what forced them into the pass-heavy offense because they didn't have a running back in the rhythm. Now, McVay's offense, you know, obviously it's pretty genius in how he does things with formation and motions and different things. Sure. Um, but I think it plays better when there's play action. And when and Stafford's yeah. way better when there's play action. Yeah, I think I think you know, I think that's football in general. You know, I mean, the, the goal of every defense is to make the offense one dimensional. So if you look at this game, both offenses made themselves one dimensional. Now, mm-hmm. the other thing that that really we hadn't touched on was when OBJ went out, it changed the passing game for it changed the passing game for the Rams. Because I don't know that they really had a, a, a an adequate answer for OBJ. I mean, OBJ was running open quite a bit and, and getting oh, up yeah. the field after the catch, too. So, like, I think the game changed when he went out because how do you double cup? You can't double cup and double OBJ and stop the run. That's hard. That's hard. And so I think – as the game played on, OBJ goes out. Now, all of a sudden, like, there is no running game for the Rams. And up front, I thought Cincinnati's defensive line whipped the Rams' offensive line. That's what I thought in the running game. Now, I thought in the passing game, Stafford did a nice job of moving, feeling, getting rid of the ball, that sort of thing. But he also threw two picks. So, here it is. You got a game. You got a Super Bowl yep. where the quarterback throws two picks. You throw the ball seventy percent of the time. You can't run the ball. Like historically, if you look back with all of that, they're supposed to lose that ball game. Period. One hundred percent. They're supposed 100%. to lose it, but they didn't. They did what they had to do, and they came up with the win. So. But again, I think what you said was really key in the beginning is the defense for the Rams, Raheem Morris and those boys in the second half really dug their heels in and they were like, We're gonna win this game, you know, for the for and everybody's like, Oh, look at the offense. But like you said, OBJ's out, Higby the tight end didn't play, uh Woods was out with his ACL, the three headed monster at running back didn't do anything. Stafford threw two picks. What kept him in the game? The defense. Because if, the, if like you said, you know, if Jamar Chase didn't catch a touchdown. Like Jamar Chase, their number one go-to guy on the Bengals. Now Higgins caught two. And the pass yeah. from Joe Mixon to Higgins I thought was brilliant. And it was a great call. It was a gutsy call. call. It was a great call. Gutsy yes. call. 
But with Higgins catching that pass and Chase not getting any touchdown, you know, that, that says a lot for the defense. It really does. It says a lot for the defense and the, the effort they came in to play with. It does, but I can't lie to you, man. I, I you know, I don't know whose call it was. I, I just, you know, some of the things, some of the things the Bengals did, I feel like they left the money on the table. Oh, they did. Like, you I know, think Zach, honest to God, I think Zach, the coach, is not a big time game coach. I don't. I think Joe Burrow is a big time player. I think Joe, yeah, Joe Burrow goes off script almost like Mahomes and he makes things happen. I mean, he's the only player in NFL history to get sacked nine times in a game, in a playoff game, and win the playoff and win. game. And so, like, no, that's not play calling from the coach. That's, that's, that's making it happen as a quarterback. So, yeah. Again, I think you know. Again, like you, I you know, me and you were of the same mind. If they would have ran the ball with Mixon and really started to try to invoke their will on, you know, the pass rush and warm down a little bit, that would have opened up some stuff. But also would have chewed up the clock and kept, you know, Stafford on the sideline, especially after the second interception. Now, you chew the clock. You got a, a lot of young these. A lot of these young coaches and coordinators don't understand the game. Ninety percent of it in the second half is playing the clock. Either if you're behind, knowing how to save time, or if you're ahead, knowing how to crank it down as much as possible. Because yeah. if you got that lead in the second half, you got to get out of the game as fast as possible. And if and if you if you're behind in the second half, you got to find ways to save time. Yeah, so. and it, you know it's um, it's tough, right? You know, I look. You know, I, I've been around tackle football for a long time, and you know, I, I I think over the years I would have to consider myself a little bit of a purist, you mm. know. Um, but the truth is, in order to run the football effectively, you have to do that every. Day. Like it, like it's gotta be what you want to do as an offensive coordinator. You gotta say we're going to run the football. Now, how do you do it? You gotta practice it. If you practice it, that means you gotta do a lot of hitting. Well, today you can't go out to practice and go hit four times a week. I mean, you just you can't do it. The rules say you can't do it. The NFLPA ain't going forward for it. In college, you can't do it. You can't do it here either. You can't. You just about can't have pads practices back to back now. So, because of the way things are, it's 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 very difficult to actually build and maintain a strong running game the way it was done back in the day, right? So now it becomes more about mismatches on the perimeter and having a quarterback that can deliver the football. And ultimately, in this game, Stafford was better when they had to have it at delivering the football and getting it to a guy for a big play. That I mean, that's kind of what it boiled down to from what I could see. Defensively, nobody's going to say, well, you know, the, the Rams' defense should be the MVP. Nobody's going to say that. Oh, there's been several statements out there now that people are saying Donald should have been the MVP with everything he did and the disruptive force he was. Okay. But 
But who was the MVP last year? Last year, last year was Brady. It was Bucks and it was Brady, right? Yeah. Okay. I, I would venture to say the two pass rushers, Pierre Paul and Barrett, I would venture to say they had a lot of impact on that game. I mean, Patrick Mahomes is a pretty good quarterback, right? They ran that dude ragged. <laughs> yeah, they but, did. But, you know, there's a slant to the offensive side of the ball and in general and the quarterback in particular. The face of the franchise. Correct. So, um, you know, I hear a lot of analysis nowadays. You know, obviously, you know, I'm, I'm a behind-the-scenes guy. I'm a scout and – you know, that that's, you know, you, you're not out in front of the camera a lot, but like I, 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 the, a lot of the analysis I hear is just, oh, the quarterback did this. Oh, they're terrible because their quarterback's terrible. It's like, yo, man, like it's 40 other dudes on the field, you know. At, at oh, I know. And but so, it, you know, I struggle with that. I do. It, you know why? It's because it's the easy thing to talk about, like, it's the not everybody's the one percenters like us that really can look at the game mm-hmm. and know it and dissect it and figure it out, right? Sure. Most of the most of the folks that watch football, they watch the quarterback where the ball goes, if a running back runs, but they didn't see the backside block it missed. Correct. And and that the you know offensive lineman's on his face, and that's where the tackle came from. And oh, because the guy up in the booth goes, What a fantastic play by this defensive end crashing down the line. It's like, Correct. no, the guy, the offensive line fell down. <laughs> Correct. I mean, and really, that happened early in the game. It did. You know, it happened early in the game with, um, I think maybe it was the center for the Rams. Yeah, yeah it was the, the center. The center uh, was supposed to, I think it was a backside cutoff or something, and he, yeah. and he, missed, and he fell and down. He ended, up, he ended up, you know, whiffing, whiffing yeah. on that guy, TFL. Oh, that's a great play. It's like, well, but, oh. Right. Oh boy! Oh boy! Missed the block. <laughs> yeah, it's like okay, but I mean, you know, all things being considered, I would just say I thought both defenses played really well in that game. I thought it was ironic that at one point the uh, the score was twenty to sixteen. Yeah, because that was the final score when the Niners beat the Bengals the last time they were in the, mm-hmm. in, the in the Super Bowl. So I thought that I thought that was ironic, and I was like. I, in some, in some ways, I was like, man, the Bengals could mess around and pull this thing off. Because just in my mind, I was like, they're they're right there. They're, they're there ready to take this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I thought about it, there was one thing that happened early in the game that, that gave me pause. That made me say, well, are they really ready? And that was going for it on fourth down on the first drive. Like, why, 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 why the first drive? Yeah. Why, why are we doing that? Are we, are we doing analytics now? <laughs> like, we're going to give a field position on the first drive of the Super Bowl. Right. Don't do that. So, you know, obviously, Coach Taylor's done a, a really good job getting them there. No question about it. But I think, you know, I think if I was him, I, I would. it's stuff like that that I would be like, Man, <clears throat> maybe did too much, you know. And and maybe you know what? That was McVay's comment when he came out of that Super Bowl mm-hmm. two years ago against New England. 
is yeah. that he tried in his first Super Bowl to do too much. And yeah. in this Super Bowl, he tried to, you know, pare it down and do less and just do things that they're used to doing better and get it down right. And like you said, OBJ was running wide open on so many plays, and those route combinations were great. But, you know, again, you lost Robert Woods, you lost OBJ, you didn't have your tight end Higby. So, you know, it was like Sean McVay was running out of, you know, the, the Notre Dame tight end was or wide receiver was actually playing. He wasn't just Skoranek, whatever his name is. Right, yeah, yeah. So, you know, uh, I thought they didn't – one thing they failed, on my opinion, again, was they failed to work Jefferson a little bit more. But, cool. they, again, I love Jefferson. I think he's an underrated player. I think he, he could really be a good yeah, dominant a good little guy. player. So, But turn it. let's turn the page now from the repercussions of the game into what now I didn't even know was a thing until yesterday, bro. Like I didn't even know there was a rumor going around that McVay might not coach the Rams next year. Like I really didn't even think that was a, a, a possibility. And then I wake up yesterday to, oh, Sean McVay didn't guarantee that he would be coaching the team next year. And I'm like, what? And then all of a sudden it starts catching fire that he might go to Monday Night Football and become the next Gruden and analyst and this and that and make sure. eight, make $8 million a year doing that instead of coaching. And I've met Sean. Like, I know Sean. And his passion for football is so great. I'm like – and he loves scheming. He loves the whole thing of it. And he's so young. I'm like, why would he not want to coach the team – that was tailored for him what's going on either in the building with ownership or whatever that's souring him on just going yeah i'm coming back yeah what do you mean we just won a super bowl we're going for two like yeah I, you know it, it's uh that's a tough question right so how old was he when he got that kid he was like he was like 23 <laughs> no he, he was like 23 i think he was, he was, like was I, real, I think he was 32 or 33 bro he might have been, yeah. He, he might have been 30, 31, somewhere in there. Yeah, you know. And I, I, I was, I was just playing, you know. <laughs> Sean, 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 Coach McVeigh is is an Atlanta guy, so it's all love, right? It's all love. You know what I'm talking about. But anyway, um, you hire a guy that age to grow with him. You know what I'm saying? Say, hey, this dude's thirty years old. We're gonna we're gonna build with him. And he's going to be our coach for the next 15, 20 years, right? Hey, I mean, what what is it? How long has it been? Eight? Nine? Has it been been? eight years? It's been about eight years. So so I I would think organizationally, they they were probably shocked to hear that too. Okay, so he was 30 years old. Mm Mm-hmm. He was the youngest head coach in modern football history, 30 years old when he got the job. 30, yep. Yeah. Okay. And that was – hold on, I'm, I'm looking at – keep talking. That was in – keep going. Eight years, I'm thinking. Seven, no, 17, 2017. Ain't even been eight years. It's, it's been, been five. five years. It's, it's been, been five, five years. years. Five and, years. And he got the job, and he's taken him to two Super Bowls. Yes. And now – and now they're they're rumoring or talking about him going to leave after five years of being a head coach. I mean, this guy's like 35, yeah. maybe turning 36 now. 
well, I and mean, he's going to leave coaching. Like I, 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 I don't know because I'm not part of the new generation. I'm old, you know. I'm old, and I, I don't understand me, this. Me too. But a lot, a lot, a lot of a lot of young bucks, they don't stay in their job for too long. They move. They constantly move from job to job in the job world. They a couple years here, four years there, three years there, ten years here. You know, they just move around. That's not us. We yeah. came up in a way where we still believed in pensions, sticking for twenty years with an organization, loyalty. Commitment, all that stuff, right? I did believe in that, but I, it has worked out where it's been four here, three there, six. Yeah. You know, you know I mean? Your belief system is still there. Your belief system is though the tact. career path it's, was, you know, it's a little divided up. Yeah, it's a little yeah. different nowadays. But um, again, for Sean, not to just I, I, I personally, and I'm not trying to create anything. For everybody who's looking and paying attention right now, and I, we appreciate you listening and tuning in. But Absolutely. I'm not trying to stir the pot here. But what's going on with the ownership to not secure their head coach of the future, who's got two or three head coaches from his coaching tree already, uh, doing and they're doing well at their respective places? Like, why are you not doing to secure his his spot on your organization? I don't understand it. And again, like you have this beautiful stadium, you have the one of the top ranked NFL teams. You built it just for him. Like everybody on that team is built for him. Yeah. Why? Question. What's going on there with ownership? I don't get it. Uh, it's it's a good question. It's it's hard to say. It's it's hard to look at LA and say, okay, I don't know that ownership supports what they're doing because they've kind of done everything. You know, outside looking in, I'm not in that building, right? Outside looking in, it seems like they've done everything they needed to do to secure him. But, you know, I, I think about when I think about him stepping away and now realize that it's just been five years. I mean, like, wow. I mean, what Jay-Z say, less is more, right? So he's been there five years and went to two Super Bowls, one, one, right? Is that right? One yep. one, so like he's a dude, and they're pulling dudes off of his tree. Like right, he's got more head coaches off his tree than Coach Tomlin. You yeah, understand? so mm-hmm. and Coach Tomlin been there for seventy five years, right? <laughs> so so like he's the guy, but like man, coaching, you know, you know how it is. You've been in the building, coaching, scouting. Ops, support staff, all that stuff, man. That stuff's exhausting, man. You have to give so much of yourself that, you know, it may just be for him. It might be a little bit of a lack of balance. You know what I'm saying? And, and again, I know folks in the building, he, he has a whole film room at his house and he takes it home. Yeah. He grinds tape at home. He grinds tape at the office. He's one of these high energy guys that, again, like a he's young. he only sleeps a few hours a night, like Gruden used to do. You know what I mean? Like he's one of those guys. And so I get it, and I, I hear you. But yeah, I'm 46 years old. Okay, sure. yeah. If you put me back in a building, I'm Linus with my blanket. I'm not leaving. Like let's go. Like, we get back on that grind, I'm going to be tired, yeah, because I'm older. But, shoot, when I was his age or y- and a little younger, I was sleeping in the office all the time. I was grinding it out. You know? ab- ab- absolutely. And, you know, obviously I've done that too. Like, it, it, but, man, I, 
I, I tell you, uh, it feels a little different at, <laughs> at 48 than it did at, you know, at 33, 34. You know what I mean? Oh, so I know, I, but we're talking about a 35-year-old man. Correct. We're not talking. He hasn't gotten to us yet. He ain't got. He ain't, he ain't got his silverback status yet. Okay. Not yet. So he not ain't yet. broken the four zero for like five, four or five more years. But he could go to the media, work a tenth of the time he's work that he's working now, and make more money. Now, that's just the reality of it. There's a ton of money in the media. It's a ton of money. I, I know there's a ton of money. He's already got his chunky soup commercials. He's sure. already get in after the Super Bowl. He's going to get more commercials, right? Sure. So the money's going to be pouring in for him. And again, what did the Carolina Panther coach get? The guy got uh, rule. Yeah, rule. You got what seventy million over ten over seven years or something like that. Well, I think that's what we call a whole heap of money. Right, he got a whole heap of money, but he's a joke, and he's not doing much there, and and that's just the way it goes. And you know how I speak; I'm very plain. It's way it goes. I saw you wince over there, like I just kicked you in the yeah, shin. Yeah, I would, I, I would, I would say he's a joke. I, you know, I, 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 I think he he's done some really good things. I think obviously at Temple and Baylor, it's a little bit of a transition to the league. I think, and he. Like again, like you have to have a quarterback in this league to look competent. Well, absolutely, you know, but you can't do like it's not like the old days where you know you could go to war with. I'm thinking of a a, a guy that played quarterback that was productive but wasn't a high line guy. John, John Brad Johnson, Brad Johnson, Richard Todd. Yeah, <laughs> like you, yeah. like you're not gonna line up with those guys nowadays, and and like. Be, you know, be in the hunt. And nowadays, if you're not if you're not twelve and four and going to the playoffs, you can't coach. Well, here's the thing. This is my problem with the rule. Sure. He went to bat to get Sam Donald. Okay. Sure. Now, yeah. then they bench Sam Donald, but they didn't need to even reward Sam Donald with a new contract. But the feeling I got, and the one the word I got was Matt Rule after practices. Went mm-hmm. to the ownership was like, we got to secure Sam Donald. This guy's going to be great for us. He's going to be amazing. So you saw they got him a contract right before the, the season kicked off, yeah. and they and they paid him. Yeah. So now Matt, you don't even know how to manage your cap because you had a guy faux free for most for a whole year, you know, pretty much, sure. and you could have got through the year and then rewarded him at the end of the year. Might have cost you maybe ten more percent, you know, if he had a stellar year. But when he had the year he had, guess what? You would have got a bigger discount. You weren't willing to gamble on that, and that's the NFL. You got to do things like that. Well, and, think- and again, yeah. The, the the don't get me wrong. The Panthers aren't a a, a talent lined team, but when I'm you know me, I'm gonna listen. I'm gonna listen to my my people. I'm gonna watch decision making, and when I'm watching the decision making, and when I watch Matt Rule on the sidelines, I don't see a secure individual who's ready to be a field general and deliver a championship at that level. And the ownership feels the same way. Matt rule was this close to getting canned this year. Okay. And, and, you know, I don't think Ben McAdoo going there is going to save his job. That's me personally. I think a lot of people that might want to go coach in Carolina because Carolina, again, I worked there, you know, 
It's a plum. I love the the organization. I think it's going to be a it, it's it's a great play. city. It's a great place to be at. But I think a lot of people want to be there. But they didn't believe Matt Rule was going to make it another year, so they weren't going to leave jobs to go be with Matt and only be there one year. You know, sure. So that that's sure. my thing. That's my take on that. But back to the Sean McVay thing. It's interesting because timetable speeds up here. The offensive coordinator yeah. O'Donnell or o, yeah O'Donnell. Kevin O'Connell, you split O'Connell. for the Patriots. We, he was just playing ten minutes ago. Yeah, we, we was just playing. The, yeah, he he barely got he barely hung up the jersey. Now he's going to be a head coach. Qualifications yeah. are incredible. Um, but you know, I could go be a quality control coach for McVay and be a head coach in three months. I mean, I guess that's the way it works. Um, <laughs> but that all being said, I could I I could draw X's and O's real good. I promise you. Um, yeah. So that all being said. He's he's now rumored to be in the front runner if McVay does go take the TV job. Sure. So all day today, the rumor mill is, well, what's the ownership going to do at the Rams? And mm-hmm. is this going to be a Josh McDaniel situation where sure. McDaniel spurred the Indianapolis Colts after they won the Super Bowl, the Patriots two years ago, and then yep. he, he stayed in New England? Is, O'Don- is uh, Kevin O'Donnell or O'Connell going to not go to the Vikings and stay at the Rams, or is he going to still go? Well, late today, word breaks that they plan, the Vikings plan to name him the head coach and everything on Thursday. Well, that gives a whole, you know, 36 hours to one of the richest men in America. Let's talk about the, the owner of the Rams is one of the richest men in America. Yeah, he's, he's doing okay for himself. And his wife <laughs> is richer than him. So... <laughs> Yeah. You know, the you reality is they can pay Sean McVay $10 million a year and give sure. him a five a five or six-year deal, whatever they want to do. And they, mm-hmm. they're they not going hungry. They're not missing snacks. No. And there's no, no coaching no. salary cap. There's none. Not not in tackle football, there isn't. Right. So, <laughs> so, again, you could see one of the largest contracts ever known to man come down the pipe here in the next 24 hours. To keep Sean McVay from leaving and stay and keeping him going. But let's take the approach here for this conversation. McVay leaves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is there is O'Connell the right choice from someone on the staff? Or you got two choices. You can go or three. I'll give you three. O'Connell's a man, someone else on the staff, or Outside the organization, who would be the best fit for the Rams right now? Okay. McVay's gone. McVay's gone. You got now now you're sitting in the seat. You you're less need. You got to figure this out. What do you do? Shout out to Les Need. Les Need's one of the guys who gave me my start in scouting. So I appreciate him. But if I'm Les Need. His name's Les Kirkland at this point. So if, if I'm Les Kirkland at this point, um, <laughs> I am. I have some some issues. I, I have my own thoughts of what the head coach should be. Um, I've always said I would, I would not hire an offensive coach. Um, and um, I'd like for my coach to have a little gray on, right? Somebody with some experience who can deal, yeah, who can who can deal with a few different things. Now, in their situation, their team is set, right? 
So they've got a team that they feel good about that they just won a championship with, right? So one of the most important things you can do is stay abreast of your quarterback situation, right? So the first thing I got to do is I got to assess, like, what's a change going to look like for my quarterback? Because that's the function of a team today, right? Now, I believe in, you know, pure football, but today, in order to win today, you've got to have your quarterback on board and you got to have, you know, he's got to be comfortable and he's got to have a say. Okay. So to me, that's the argument for you keep O'Connell. Um, the problem is you got a guy on your staff, his name's Raheem Morris, that's an experienced D coordinator that's been a head coach before and understands how to run the team as a collective. You know, God, that's tough. My first choice would be Morris is the head coach and then bribe O'Connell to stay as my OC, right? Since since we're talking bread, right? you know, if we're talking bread and we're talking turkey, you bribe the dude to stay and keep your, keep your quarterback happy for the short time you're going to have him, right? Because Stafford is – I mean, he's 75 years old, too, right? No, he's not. Yeah. Stop. <laughs> Stafford no, is not. I'm, I'm, jo- I'm joking. But for me, I want my head coach to have to, to, to be a guy. I, I struggle with O'Connell as the head coach, and the only reason I really struggle that way is because he's – like his experience is a little shallow for me. Even Even – and again, that's coming from an old purist that like like nobody cares about old purist anymore, right? So that's that's my thought as as Les Kirkland. You gotta be abreast of your quarterback situation. He's gotta be comfortable. But my head coach, I need somebody that's going to understand the whole. And I'm not sure that I'm ready to do that with a guy that's been coaching for less than 10 years. I, I struggle yeah. with that. Matthew Stafford is only 34 years old. So Correct. let's be let's let's I was just, I was just pump, playing. And nowadays you play till you 44. But that's why I say like O'Connell's going to be the head coach of the Vikings. How much are they paying you? They pay they pay they pay you four they're paying you six mil a year. Okay, we're gonna pay you seven and a half. To be the OC? Yeah. That's some Jerry Jones stuff. But we That's just, we just talked about Jason we just, Garrett. We just talked about how there's no no salary cap in in tackle football. There's no coaching salary cap. Oh, there's none. So, you, there's- so so in my mind, you do what's best for your football team, right? And I think keeping your quarterback comfortable is important. I I do. You know when I think when Eric DaCosta was the GM in waiting. Behind um, Ozzy. Yeah. Um, Coach Newsom, Mr. Newsom, I call him. <laughs> when he was the GM in waiting, like, he, he, he was, they weren't paying him like he was an area scout. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. They, they paid him very close to a GM as, as the assistant GM. Right. Yeah. If not, no, he got, just he like got, a GM. He got, yeah. He right? got his bread. So, yeah. so, you know, 
you do what you have to do to keep your team intact. You got good people. They got to feel good about Cameron O'Connell. They just won a championship with him. Well, here's the thing. McVeigh calls the plays. So let's not get this twisted. All right. It's not like O'Connell was there making all this happen. So McVeigh calls the plays. Now, I know because my friend Shane and Shane Waldron is now the OC up in Seattle, but he came from the Rams and he's been with McVeigh since Washington. Um, And that's how I got to meet Sean is through Shane. And anyway, so what they do is they they meet all week, you know, in between plays. McVeigh will hear opinions, but then it's quiet, and then he calls what he wants, right? So sure. here's what it is. But so and and he's and O'Connell's got the the Vikings' job, so I don't think it's a as a point that you can keep him. If you go with Raheem or an outside coach. Mm-hmm. O'Connell's going to go take the head coaching job up in Minnesota. He'd be stupid not to because, like you said, he's only been around seven years, mm-hmm. you know, coaching really. So you got to go take the job because head coaching jobs come and go too quick. I mean, you know, you could be the hot name one day and then be out the next. And, you know, and and and, and in case in point, you know, there were uh, McCoy – who, who's the coach that was that, that failed at Miami and then he failed at the Jets? Um, coach Gates. Yeah, Gates. There you go. Mm-hmm. So Gates looked great when he had Peyton Manning as his, as his you know quarterback in Denver. But yeah. then he goes to Miami and then he goes up to New York and he fails in two spots. Now he's out. And I don't think – and hopefully that guy never gets a job because his <laughs> office is terrible. Um, but I'm just saying if you get an opportunity, it, it, it might not be perfect – but you better take it because perfect perfection isn't really there. Now you don't want to take an awful job, but Minnesota is a good job. They got draft picks. They have a lot of talent that they got the young receiver. They have running back. They got a lot of tools for him to go up there and be successful. Cousins is still playing decent ball. You know, the defense fell apart there late in the year. But again, other than that, you're, you're, you got You're inheriting a good team. So you'd be stupid not to go up there and take the job. So what I'm hearing from Kirkland, Les Kirkland, Les Kirkland is is saying that Raheem Morris belongs as the head coach of the the L.A. Rams, Super Bowl winning L.A. Rams, if Sean McVay decides to go and hit the road. Again, for me, I like like having an experienced coach. It's, look, if – just a couple of years ago, Wade Phillips was the the, the DC there. You know, I, I I wouldn't have been afraid to say, "Hey, we're gonna bring Wade up. He's gonna be the coach, and you know, we're gonna have to, you know, we're gonna work out who his staff is. Not not we're gonna work out. He's gonna work out who his staff is. But I just I just I really believe that I think experience counts. I think it, it counts. It's not everything. Because everybody who has experience isn't competent, right? Yes. But but Facts. but yeah, but but I, I but close I do, by that one. <laughs> but I do believe I do believe experience matters. And you know, sometimes, well, I shouldn't even say sometimes, but most of the time, particularly in a head coaching situation, like when you're a new coach, you you're going to hit roadblocks. You're going to hit stuff you ain't seen before that you got to learn from. So the thing with, to me in Minnesota, now, okay, Kevin O'Connell and um, 
what's my man's name? I, I don't know. I don't know his name that well. His first, I think his name is Queasy Adolfo Mensa. Are you talking about the Princeton rower? That's the GM yeah. up there. The the new GM, yes. Yeah, the Princeton rower. I call him the Princeton rower. Yeah. He's a he's a Princeton. <laughs> okay. Well, you know. Yeah. Like so. No, no. Let's not let's not fly by what I just said. So. <laughs> I'm not gonna touch that one because again, <laughs> it's a different, it's a different damn time in the NFL, man. It's a different damn time. Yeah, I'm learning a lot about football. So, so, so you're going oh, with, yeah. and, and, and I, you know, I assume he's a very, very, a very, very bright analytics guy from what from what I've been told. And I watched his press conference. I, so I, I, I watched it. I was like, man, this dude's. This dude's kind of impressive. So, but when you get down to brass, when you get down to the brass tacks, when you get down to the brass tacks, uh, Mr. Odolfo, Odolfo Mensa. Yeah. He's probably been in the league less than 10 years, too. So he's the head. He wasn't in the building when I was there. He's the head personnel guy that's. Been in the league less than ten years, and then you know hire a coach that's also been. Now he's been in the league more than ten years, but he hasn't been coaching ten years. And look, again, this is coming from an old tackle football guy, right? So Mike Vrabel is is having success in Tennessee. You know what I'm saying? And he had coached less than ten years. So I'm not saying this is the rule, but I don't know that I want to join two guys with shallow resumes to lead it you know what i mean because if you do you got you you now they may have success really early particularly in minnesota because the cupboard's not bare but you could be looking at year three or year four and maybe it hadn't jumped off yet and so what happens is now hey you got to make a decision are you you gonna move on from these cats or you're gonna, you know, go grow, go through the growing pains with them. Well, and they got rid of one of the top personnel guys that we've ever seen in Rick Spielman. I mean, Rick's Rick's was in Miami when I started, um, and you know, I didn't ever work in personnel with him, but I always watched him run his meetings and interact with him just as an individual. And he's right. a gentleman and an incredible individual. Always been a friend of mine. Every time I've seen him, it stopped and spent time and. Talk to talk through life and business. You know, I remember when his boys were freaking barely out of diapers and now they're like graduating college. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, and much respect to Mr. Spill. And also um, the GM for the Broncos. Peyton. George. Yeah. George Payton was also there too. Yep. So, and also Coach Zimmer. Look, the reason why the Vikings are in good health. And it's seen as such a, real, a, a such a plum of a job, is because you had real folks with experience that 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 built it. You know what I'm saying? So look, what you don't want, what you don't want, is you know kind of what happened in Detroit. You know what I'm saying? Well, yeah, no, I know exactly you, what you're you saying. You don't want that, and I'm not talking about with coach with a. Uh, Brad Holmes and Coach. No, Kyle. you're talking about what happened uh, with the former generation, Mr. Quinn with, and Coach Patricia, right? You know where you 
where you go, okay, this is who we're going to grow with. And then it just never kind of takes off. Like you don't want that, you know, you go from being in reasonable health to, you know, not in a good place. You know what I mean? Well, now like, you don't out. That. Yeah. They're out. And, People are like, oh, they, they actually have some players there. They have dynamic young offensive players and stuff that just were never used last year. That's the way it goes. Yeah. But, and, and look, the, the Lions, now, you, if you watch the Lions this year, those guys, man, you, look, you can say whatever you want to about Coach Campbell, but those guys play for Coach Campbell. And, and that's uh, what I was going to say here. My point here was going to be, remember when McVay took over, he kept uh, Phillips, uh, not Phillips. Wade. Phillips, huh? Wade Phillips. Wade Phillips is the defensive coordinator for like a year. I thought that was a brilliant move because the guys in the locker room love Wade. They play for Wade, and you know what? It was a situation where again you had the old the old guard there to help McVay through some situations. Wade's obviously been a vet, been a head coach, done all that, so he had someone to lean on for at least the first year, right? Wow. Um, and then. And then he went and got a young coordinator, and it was what it was, and it's all good. Now here, I think if they don't go Raheem and they wind up, you know, giving it to O'Donnell, I don't know. I think they could, they might impede the quarterback, but they could lose the rest of the team. And the reason why I say that is because I see that these players love Raheem Morris, and when they talk to him, they talk about him. When you watch the press conferences, their eyes light up. They really love this man so i think the defense and the offensive line and a lot of the skilled players position players would look to raheem as a guy they can respect and follow which might keep the team together and wanting to run for a second championship if you if you go and name o'connell your head coach and leave and and overpay raheem to stay on a defensive coordinator that might create a hole or a rift in the locker room because I think a lot of the people might go and say Raheem really deserved it. Okay. So that's my take on it. That's what I think. I think if they, if McVay leaves and Raheem doesn't get it, they really need to go outside the building and, and bring in somebody that would be a suitable coach from outside coming in, you know, that's, that's what I think they should do, and there would be obviously a ton of takers who would want to come coach that team. The question marks will be, if they do that move, will Whitworth come back? Will you know? Will Donald retire? Will Von Miller retire? Will players okay. just say, you know what, I don't want to be part of a rebuild or a retread, so I'm just going to take out – I'm going to take my ring and go home. And then now the Rams lose all the momentum, all the marketing dollars, everything they have with McVay, and, you know, and they just get shot down the tubes because they don't, they're not able to uh, sustain this, this tradition that they built here in five years. So, you know, again, he's got this brilliant big stadium to pay for now. Yeah. Is, is he going to be able to do it or is he going to, you know, shit down his leg as I will say, but with the last five minutes, I don't want to let it go. Last five minutes of the show. I want to hear a Kirkland's corner. Give me, a little take. James Kirkland, bring up a subject. You got four and a half minutes and let us and let it rip, baby. Well, I mean, you know, we've been talking pro uh, most of the time here. Um, but obviously right now I'm, in, I'm working on, on the college side of things. And um, wow, the transfer portal. 
the transfer portal has changed everything. Now we talked about this this summer and how much you know the portal was gonna open things up and you didn't know and, and this, that, and the other. But now, I mean, look, what you have happening right now is number one, the kids hold the cards, man. They hold all the cards. Yo, I don't like what's going on. It's week two. <laughs> it's week two. This cat's transferring. He's gone. So now you gotta, you know, you gotta finagle your roster. So if you look at the season, and by the time teams got to the bowl games, it was like it was like you're playing with a different roster. You know what I'm saying? Once you add the injuries and the transfers, you you talking about a whole new team. Now also, you gotta think about in recruiting. Because now, if you don't get that 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 top stack of dudes you want, if you don't get those, just go to the portal. Go to the portal and get what you need. So you know what happens, right? A lot of these high school kids, they they're not getting opportunities the way they used to, right? You know who else ain't getting opportunities like they used to? Juco cats. I was about to say the JC kids. I, yeah, I, I mean, seen it. I, I seen mean, it. I mean, last. I I think if they tried to do last chance you again, like the series, I don't think they. I I, I think it would just fizzle and die. Because, <laughs> like, why check for a Juco kid when you can go to get a kid that's been in a P five program, had production, and like, like. Why? It's just a better option, isn't it? You know, I've even heard I've even heard tale of some teams not have having a recruiting board, obviously. Right. But having another board of college players that they would like to have. How about that? Oh no, I, I you know I recently you know I recently just, inter- I interviewed for a college gig. Okay. And, yeah, and that yeah, was my yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was my that's what I told him. I said we would have two departments just like the NFL. We would have a pro department and a and a and a recruiting. So the high school recruiting department would work here and then pro department, as I would call it, would be scouting the other college teams. And you would have basically a free agent time period, which is the transfer portal and all the time they can transfer. And then you would have your recruiting period. And each one would have its own strategy and your own players and people to track and do it. It would be like what we do in the NFLs with pro and college scouting and running both sides. Look, here, the, the, real, the real deal is this. As a scout, the real place to be is college. It's the real place to be. because I agree. Because, like, right now, like, in the league, coaches coach, scout, scout. In college, coaches scout. And the bottom line is, man, people don't realize this. They don't understand it because they'll call anybody a scout. But scouting is hard, man, and it takes a lot of time. And coaches, quite frankly, don't always have the time they need to really vet a player. They just don't. So, like, for the for the really smart programs, they will implement some type of a scouting department that allows them to vet players, find out who can really play. Because, like, look, 
Who's ranking these guys by at 24-7? Who's ranking them? I heard he's a former comedian or something like that. I don't know. One of the, one um, of the guys, one of the guys is a comedian. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's just it's ridiculous. And I, you know, I, I've I've brought him up before, and I don't mean to make him the butt of my jokes, but that's like, I mean, you didn't play scout coach, like, wow, how how you know what a player looked like, other than he's big, and that's what you find. A lot of those top ranked dudes, they're big. You know, they're they're size wise, they're ready for college, mm-hmm. but skill set wise, a lot of them are right. A lot of them are now. Some of them are. I mean, some of them are. Some of those guys are pretty easy to eval. You know, but some some of them like they're not really that. You know, here at Mav Sports uh, Consulting, we do we do consult with a lot of the high school kids, and we work with them to get scholarships and everything. And this year, when the when the uh, rubber hit the road and a lot of people were changing really quick and things were going really fast there at the end of the, at the end of the season. And, you know, before the bowl games, I mean, I advised my clients, I was like, look, we got to let the dust settle because this is really tough right now. A lot of these players and that were promised certain places were aren't going to get them places that uh, commitments that they, you know, walk ons were going to get aren't going to get it because of what's happening in the landscape right now. Absolutely. And it took a lot of my clients a little while up to signing day to actually get offers and do things. And, you know, they were sweating it out. And I was like, listen, we got to be patient because it's just the time constraint. You know, we just got time constraints right here with all the changes and stuff. But like you said, if you're in the transfer portal and you're getting evaluated and now, you know, I could say, oh, he's been, you know, minimal play time, but I could see him as a fit in our system and the new coach coming in is going to need a guy like this. I can get him and you know he's used he's he's got the grades he's used to the college environment he's used to all that stuff why would i not go with him you know because the young kid's going to take me two or three you know seasons to percolate yeah and the 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 kid that's been in college already maybe at a lower level he still knows the program he knows the season knows how it's going and he'll be ready faster so that all being said i will say this mr kirkland shoot my friend Thank you for your time tonight. Thank you for coming on and co-hosting when Ryan got sick. Ryan, we wish you better health. You, your mom, your wife, and your your child does not sound like you guys are having fun over there right now. But our our wishes, our prayers are out for Ryan and his family. I want to thank all the fans that tuned in, all the ones that gave me crap on TikTok all night because I'm I'm watching you and you guys are just trying to get distracting me. Um, but. I want to thank James for his time. James, obviously, if anytime you want to come on, come on. We'll talk college. We'll talk pro. We'll just talk, you know, whatever it is. It is because I love having you talking ball. I'm good, homie. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't even bring up the halftime show, which is causing all sorts of craziness on social media. Yeah, yeah, it, it is, ain't it? Yeah. yeah, we're not gonna yeah. go there. We're not gonna go there tonight. You know, the, I hadn't watched the I hadn't watched the halftime show in at least twenty years, and uh, you know, I really didn't want to watch that one. I just was at somebody else's house, and you know, ended up, you know they kept it on the channel. But I mean, I, yeah. yeah, I man, I was. We'll I, I, I can't say I can't say I was fired up watching it. I can't say that. 
And I'll say this. I didn't think, in my personal opinion, I wasn't like, oh, that, that was stellar. Like when Prince did Purple Rain in the rain in Miami, I was right. like, that's freaking awesome, right? Like there's been right. a few half times where I was like, wow, you know, that was a wow moment. This sure. was okay. The, you know, I didn't think yeah. they brought the heat like a lot of people did. You know, that's just me. Um, but again, oh, I wasn't mad about it. I enjoyed it. I, ha- I had fun with it. But I thought J Lo and Shakira a couple years ago was better. You know, when J Lo and Shakira hit that hit that stage, that was a that was a monster halftime show. All I know is rapping at fifty is different than rapping at twenty. <laughs> that that you know that's the bottom line. So yeah, you know, look if you put them dudes on with with new guys, you put the records on. With the new guys, they, you know, they're they're gonna at at least they're gonna be even. More than likely, they're gonna be much better, you know, as the old guy, right? But, but like, it, it's just not the same. Like, fifty didn't look like fifty. Fifty you know looked like saying? a dollar. It was a little more <laughs> fifty than you're used to. Than we remember, right? Fifty should have wore a big shirt. Yeah, not yeah, not, but, not been know, all muscled up. But what you expect now? I mean, fifty getting that money. You know what I'm saying? He, he got the b- b- billions. So yeah, you know you gotta you gotta do your thing. I ain't mad at buddy, but you know was I fired up about halftime? No, 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 not for me. Well, I appreciate everybody tuning in. Appreciate everybody. You know, giving us a, a thumbs up ratings. Please go to Apple Podcasts, go to your favorite podcast network, download, like, share, and obviously give us a review when you have time. We appreciate all the love and the support. Have a good night, y'all. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B L E. AV on YouTube.